Hello and welcome to another podcast of Father and Joe. I am Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface Hicks. And Father, in our last cast, we discussed how I began reading the first two Gospels, Mark and Matthew, um, just front to back, in order, all the way through. And part of the reason I was looking to do that was not just to get the obvious, you want to learn about Jesus, you know, closer to Jesus, but I was kind of doing it for a specific target of how did Jesus work with not directly speaking, but his employees, his apostles, how did he teach them, particularly the moments whenever he told them to go out together in your teams to to go out and spread the gospel, essentially giving them a job. And, you know, obviously he, he ends up making Peter in charge of, of the whole shebang. So that was my focus going into it. And so that was, like I said, the driving force. The parable at, that he gives towards the end of the farmer who sends out, who's going to be going away, and he gives money to three of his employees based upon their abilities. I think it was five, three, and one he gave based upon their skills. And the first one who was given the most money went out and doubled it, came out and goes, boom. Here's the money you gave me and twice as much back. And same with the middle one. So he went out, he took his three, he turned it into six and gave it back to him. And then there's the last one who doesn't do anything with it, hides the money, and then just gives him his single money back. And then gives this long speech to the farmer about how he thinks the farmer is an evil person, how he's farming on lands that aren't his, how he's taking crops he doesn't deserve. And you don't hear this from either of the other two employees. And unlike some of the other parables where Jesus goes back and later tells the apostles what he meant by it, in Matthew or Mark, he doesn't. So I kind of wanted to see if we can use this space and this podcast to discuss that parable and kind of what he's getting across because you know there's a lot of teachings and a lot of us you know have elements in our lives where we got to trust other people and it just seems to be a a natural what I was looking for I found type thing as far as going through the gospels there so that's where I wanted to kick this one off well I guess I've never thought about that as a model for being an employer and I, I don't think that that's the conclusion that Jesus draws at the end of the parable. So I'm not sure if that's not stretching the intention of the parables to look at it in that regard. Um, the focus of Jesus is that those that each of us is entrusted in the word talent that's used there actually became the word talent that we use in English. So uh, that that's an indication. It's a it's a sum of money in the gospel, but it actually came to mean because of its use uh, the, the, the sense of talent from, um, that we use in terms of a kind of inherent ability to complete a particular task or to do a certain thing. So, um, whether it's the entrusting of the talents or the gold coins, there are a couple of different parables. One, he gives, uh, one, three and five, another, he gives one, five and 10. Um, there are a couple of variations on that. 
But the focus of Jesus is repeatedly on how we use that which with which we have been entrusted, that uh, God entrusts us with a certain amount of uh, money in, inherent, you know, our certain gifts, certain talents that uh, we can choose to use for uh, well, that we, we, we have a fundamental choice and it goes together with the theology of the body that we were discussing in the last podcast. Love is about self gift. It's not about getting something or taking something or feeling something. It's about giving something. The dynamic of love revealed by God is self gift. And each of our lives is a gift and we can choose to give that gift to others, to God, or we can choose to try and keep it, protect it. And that's a dynamic that Jesus highlights again and again in the gospel, that if you try to save your life, you'll lose it. But the one who gives his life will save it for eternal life. Or unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. That dynamic of self-gift, of investment, even to the point of loss and death, is the example that God gives us. Now, we're afraid to do that, and it's inherent in the original sin that we want to hedge our bets. We want to make sure that we want to guarantee a good outcome. Mm -hmm. We don't want to take risks. We don't want to trust someone else, even God. And so we're hesitant to take a risk, to give ourselves away or to give away what is ours. And basically God, you know, the, the landowner in the parable chastises the fearful guy who buried his talent mm -hmm. and says, you know, if you're going to bury your talent, then you're going to lose it. And he takes it away and he gives it to the one who has 10 and, and, uh, and then cast him into outer darkness. And, you know, that seems like what well, kind of mean on the landowner's part. Oh, he's you know, so cruel about that. But it's just, again, kind of like we were talking about last time. This is just a recognition of how we're made. If we try to save everything, if we become miserly and we, we, we hoard, then we end up losing everything. Because in death, we lose everything. But we've also lost our lives. We've lost our eternal life because we've cut ourselves off from relationships. We've, we've cut ourselves off from the good that we could have done, the blessing that our life could have been. We've hidden ourselves away in fear. And then what are we left with? We're left with nothing when the little bit that we have is, is taken away from us. And so uh, the, the lesson of Jesus is we have to invest generously of ourselves. So just to explain those parables. Now, if I, I'm just thinking through this for the first time, because again, it's not really the direction of the, uh, of the gospel, but certainly God's example for us is a good example to take, whether as a father or as an employer with for it, for anybody who has authority. And the idea that we give people space. So the landowner leaves and goes on a long journey or the king, the, the king leaves and goes on a long journey in a different one of those parables and that we give people space and that we give them the resources to do what they're able to do. And that's uh, sometimes we, we have this attitude of like, well, I, I want to demand things of you, but I'm not going to give you anything. So we can see how the, 
the landowner himself, where the king himself takes a risk and invests five talents, three talents, one talent, 10 gold coins, five gold coins, one gold coin. He invests in his employees. He invests in his citizens and he's taking a risk. He could lose all of that or it might you know, not grow at all while he's away. But that's the kind of risk that we also need to take. He's exemplifying what he's asking them also to do, which is to take a risk and invest those talents, those coins that they've received. And so it's uh, yeah, certainly a, a good example that we can take in either, in either direction. And the, and the great guarantee that we have is even if we invest everything and at a worldly level, it seems like a total failure. It's the resurrection, which is the great equalizer. God is able to turn total failure, the crucifixion. Mm-hmm. You know, we can just say at a human level, the crucifixion is a total failure. When your preaching mission ends up in execution on a cross, we'd say that's not normally the goal. Uh, <laughs> but Jesus is able to turn that failure at a human level into an eternal success. And so we don't need to be afraid to invest. We have a greater hope whose anchor is in heaven. And so that's what gives us the courage to do things as Christians that we might not otherwise do if we didn't have that hope that comes in Jesus and in the resurrection. And and that makes sense. I guess the part where it really struck me was the two that went out and did had victory. You know, they, they doubled their money that they, they used their talents as they should. Didn't have any complaints. For example, the middle one could say, Hey, you know, I obviously showed I can do this. Why didn't you give me the five or give us both four? And, you know, I could have, could have made this back for you. And, and I could have been even more successful instead of giving you three back. I could have given you more. If you would have given me more juice, I would have been able to give you more in return. But he doesn't. And nor does the top one complain that say, hey, I was able to do 10. If you would have given me all of this, imagine how good we could have been. The only one that complains is the one who had developed his ability to receive the lease in the first place. And he brings up these gripes that, you know, Jesus never says whether they're valid or just the excuses for why he never went out and tried. And the reason that I find that so much in my thing is it's the same thing I see with my guys. The ones that are good at what they do, they don't complain whether they're doing the funner job that they like doing more or more of the, this is annoying backbreaking stuff, but I have to do it. You know, an example being it's a lot funner to do finishing work and make a bathroom tile job look amazing than it is to be the guy who's lugging the drywall up and down the steps all day to have someone else hanging up. Well, you have to work up your skill level to get to the top of the game there. And you just see so many people that, just keep themselves and make reasons that they should be doing higher because of they just feel inherently justified that they should be having that same opportunity as the people who have proven it time and time again. 
And that's the part that stood out to me for, from that message. Wasn't that the top two guys didn't complain that they got better or more. It was the bottom guy who was looking for excuses and reasons that he wasn't the problem. And that was what I took away from that. Now that could be me putting too much of my own life and looking at it that way. But that to me was the part that stood off, stood out more so than the other two having the success that they did. And like I said, I don't know if that's me putting too much of my own experiences in this or, or if, if I'm on to something or not, I have no idea. Well, that's the richness of the scripture is that uh, we can find a lot of, uh, of insights. It's the living word. So it keeps speaking to us in new and unique ways as we develop, as history develops. And so, ah, so it's a beautiful way to apply that. Yeah. We're uh, maybe, yeah, it's certainly an important question to ask. Why does only the one who has won not have the, not take the risk to invest what he has and your explanation of, you know, it's kind of not as, not as exciting. You gotta, you know, build yourself up and it's not as fun to invest one as it is to invest three or five or 10 or whatever. And uh, so that's uh, certainly a, uh, a reasonable explanation. Um, having, having only one, yeah, there's certainly the fear, uh, the potential of feeling inadequate and so not wanting to invest, um, you know, and, and the, uh, one of the responses, why didn't you put it in the bank? And at least I could have collected with interest on my return. So there are even kind of safe ways to invest mm-hmm. and the idea of burying it, doing nothing, um, is, is the worst option. So at least invested in a safe way, so to speak. And so that's a challenge for us in, in any area of our life, whether it's complaining is the excuse that we use uh, to not invest or um, however we're kind of burying our head in the sand or burying our talents is uh, a place that we have to look at. Is there at least a safe way to invest it? Is there a way to take a risk? And uh, and then we can grow by doing that. Yeah. And in my world, you know, because the way that I see people burying it is they bury it in a bottle or they bury it in smoke. Um, one or the, one of those two ways. And that seems to be, you know, it's, the most successful ones aren't doing that. And, and I think that so much of our society is trying to push that to become more common that, Hey, it's okay. States are making it okay. The government's saying it's okay, but it's really destroying your abilities, talents, and making your, your, you're just fizzling yourself out. And in my view, it's, you are burying your, your talents and yourself by doing that. Um, and not the least of which it's not profitable. Um, you know, you're <laughs> spending your own money that you're losing the ability to make more of to hurt yourself more. Um, so that's, uh, that's really a great description of sin, isn't it? Yeah, I guess. I've never really thought of it like that. But yeah, that's a, uh, 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 yeah, you know, the momentum side of it. Because the more you do, the more you, it's okay. And um, I guess that's why uh, 
why purgatory is a thing because the middle ground has to be the hardest when you have all kinds of momentum to just keep growing something and become better um you you just become second nature and you just do it more often and same whenever you're going down the cycle of sin as i'm walking this through this in my head you know you, you, we mentioned probably a month or so ago in in the podcast about porn that the people who do it most regularly don't even know how to stop anymore and it's it's almost a second nature habit to them whereas those who who have shooken it off now can fully separate it from their beings and same with going out and doing good works for people you know you take something as simple as as opening up a door for a guy behind you as you're entering into your office building for the day you know there's that's a, a really simple habit to get into and yeah it might not be giving you all 10 virtuous points in your talents it might be more on the lower scale as far as growing the talents but it's something and I, I that's why i find when you have no momentum in either direction and i think that's probably whenever jesus said you become lukewarm as the people he's talking to um that that's got to be the hardest because if you're not doing anything you have no momentum and that's just very hard to bike up a really big hill if you don't carry down the speed from coming down the other side so that's uh so true yeah so so i don't know i mean to me that just kind of talking that out loud i guess in some regards makes uh it makes you think of it like that, but yeah, I never really thought of that being like a correlation of sin there. Um, how about that? <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, that that's what, what, what struck me from that parable was the other two never said there was anything wrong with the landowner. And the original way I heard it was the landowner was, was God, you know, he, he gives you these abilities to go out, and do something with them, you know, go out and help each other. Um, you know, it, it's it, obviously it's, it's only a parable. So it doesn't go through what the next steps are. It doesn't say what the landowner did with those profits or anything like that. Um, but I guess that's, you know, maybe part of it, but I guess that's the thing is, is only the one who didn't use his talents is the one complaining and whether he, what he's saying is you're harvesting from fields that you didn't sow, whether that's even true or not. My gut instinct was that was the guy making up excuses and creating stuff out of thin air. But I don't know if that's part of the deeper part of the scripture. Cause I also can see it being Jesus isn't doing this. Cause he's telling that parable to the Pharisees, you know, God isn't doing this just for the Jews. He's doing it for everyone. So he will create talents out of anyone. So, like I said, I might be just taking this the wrong way from my narrow focus, but that was part of the other question I had as far as the teachings of it. Well, you make uh, great observations, and it's one of the benefits of actually talking through Scripture. So certainly something I recommend to our listeners to do the kinds of reading you're doing, which is wonderful. 
the scripture itself and then some comprehensive reflections on the scripture like the theology of the body and then taking the opportunity to actually talk about it. It's amazing what comes out when we just express our thoughts out loud to another person and new insights have a way of emerging from that conversation. Sometimes even before the other person says anything, the very act of sharing these insights makes them grow. And again, that's the dynamic, the divine dynamic that Jesus is highlighting in this parable. If we just are shy and keep our mouths shut all the time, there's a whole lot that's not going to happen. Whereas if we're willing to take a risk and begin to express something, even though it might not be perfectly correct, then there's a way that God works in that space and we can see the fruitfulness of it. So um, I think that, that's what seems more important to me, actually, is just to highlight the, the very process that you're undertaking, Joe, and uh, your reading and in your reflection, your sharing. And I know you talk through things with Teresa as well, and it's uh, one of the benefits of a Bible study and uh, that just when we have the chance to share this with somebody else, a lot of new insights can emerge. Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely something. Yeah, good going through this and and yeah, I mean, like I said, having the the thoughts of that is that going out and trying to accomplish the best objective. There's a lot of different ways of doing it, and I think that that's the other part of it is no two of us are, are made the same. And when presented a limited amount of options, you might get a couple of people choosing this one or that one or the other one. But if given an infinity blank drawing board, you'd probably have an infinite amount of different answers because each of us are different. And the reason I bring that up is because you know, we all have these goals that we're trying to accomplish, you know, whether they be spiritually, family-wise, money-wise, or whatever. You, know, you all have these goals and different priorities to doing them, and we all have different ways of going about it. And I think here about some of my guys and my crew, you know, I have some guys that are very quiet and stoic that will basically let a guy lay down all of the stuff and right before it dries, correct them about how he did it wrong and how to fix it. Like right, like at the last second before it's set kind of frustrating. And, but on the other hand, he gave the guy his total space to try to make it work. In fact, actually it's only frustrating if it does set, um, if it doesn't set and he can fix it, it's all good. And then I have another set of crew um, that the second two tile don't line up right, he's just in their face all over it. And, you know, two different routes of going about it that are, you know, wildly different, wildly different experiences for the people going through it, but the outcome's the same. <laughs> so I, I I just bring that up as, as an observation that we had that, you know, it, there's there's a lot of ways of going about this as long as you're trying and you have someone around you who who knows what's going on that, that can guide you in the right way. And, um, yeah, so, so with that being said, we covered obviously a lot of stuff zoning in on one particular parable here today, Father. 
do you have any last thoughts that you want to share with us before we conclude today's cast? Well, and I, I just think uh, what you were alluding to there in your, the example of your work experience and the crews that you work with, that when we have some assistance, we can do a lot better. And that's, again, a nice theology of the body theme that we're not meant to be isolated individuals. We're meant to form a communion of persons. We're, mo- we're meant to work together with others and that we don't become fully who we are without making a sincere gift of ourselves. We have to have someone to make a gift of ourselves too. And that collaboration, the communion that can take place when we work together is, uh, is something very beautiful. And we might even see that in the parable as the, you know, what it means to invest the talent in a bank is basically entrusting it to someone else, entrust it to somebody who knows how to make money on it and then give me the interest. And so if we feel that we are inadequate, if we feel that our one talent isn't enough to do anything with, well, then invest it in somebody who has five talents or who is, uh, you know, can help us to invest that one talent and instead of sort of despairing and burying it. So that's a wonderful example. And, and again, wonderful to reflect with you on the scripture, both for the sake of these scriptures and for the model of how helpful it can be to reflect on scripture. So certainly a warm encouragement for all of our listeners to take the opportunity to do that. Yes. Yes. And thank everyone out there for listening. And we ask you guys to help to continue and grow and spread the cast. You know, please retweet us, do your subscription site reviews. Um, It does make a difference. The more five-star reviews that we get, the higher we come up on the searches when people look for us. So we thank each of you guys for helping us with that cause. And we look forward to talking to you with again next week.